Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? It's, I got things in my mind. Uh, oh, abs- very much so. You've been sharing a bunch of them with me, and none of them are suitable for the podcast. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's just Imp but- of the Perverse, right and left. <laughs> One person emailed us, by the way, with their own... Imp of the Perverse. Did you not get that email? I th- I feel like I've gotten more than one. Oh, really? I've just gotten the one. I guess huh. you're the one that asked for it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. So I just got the. Okay. So I just got the one. So I was I was just like I guess it's just us. I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're the only. And ones I feel that I've gotten thoughts. some uh, responses on Twitter as well. Okay. No. Yeah. I don't know. But no, that's not what's on, what's on my mind. Okay. What's on my mind? Um, it's a it's convoluted how I arrived at it. It was basically a conversation with a coworker about uh, uh, feature films versus shorts, and it turned into the whole this whole different thing. Uh, it's not even important to what I'm actually arriving at. What I wanted to talk about before we get into the topic here mm-hmm. is uh, sort of lowbrow, highbrow, and middlebrow. Indeed, I think lowbrow and highbrow are pretty easily. You say they're easily... Okay, so we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, and you you said you had a difficult time defining what you consider a middle brow to be, and had I not gone to, I don't know, make myself one of my terrible little Kool-Aid water bottle things, um, I was going to say, I was going to try to help you define it by getting your specific definition of lowbrow and your specific definition of highbrow, and uh, and that's what I'm going to do now, and... I'm sure we're gonna we run the risk of offending someone now. Well, I, I yeah, I don't even know. Well, no, I don't think so because as we just like we talked about when we had Moises on on the show, um, I don't just because something's low brow doesn't mean it's bad art. Right. Some great art is low brow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think that I think low brow just means it it engages more, um, of the baser elements of the human mind or whatever or, okay. or or visceral reactions maybe it's maybe just less cerebral it's not a bad thing okay so uh off the top of your head maybe uh either throw out some titles or throw some uh, raiders genres. of the lost ark would be a low lowbrow entertainment that's that. that's uh very much a work of art mm-hmm. um so i think that one's kind of easy to describe okay but i think where you get into trouble is high, highbrow and middlebrow Mm-hmm. Because the the danger is, and we might be guilty of this, I don't know, but I feel like a lot of people with middle brow interests are are laboring under the impression that they're highbrow. And when we were discussing off mic, uh, you, you said that you thought that perhaps you and I were a bit highbrow. And I immediately said, "I think you're probably more highbrow than I am. I consider my I would consider myself and my sensibilities to be decidedly uh, middlebrow. I can appreciate the highbrow, but uh, but I think the things that I look for, I don't know. And and of course, you can look for any of them at any time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the the movies that I like most, and the reasons that I like uh, those specific movies, the reason that they speak to me." Uh, are for, I would venture to say, decidedly middle-brow reasons, which leads me to ask the question, because I do want your def- your definition. How do you defend... Uh, defend? How do you defend this, sir? <laughs> um, how do you define um, highbrow? Because I feel like Here's, before you get to middle, you got to define the extremes. I think I'm going to actually define them both. Okay. 
at the same time. And I don't. And by the way, I'm not actually defining them. These are my opinions, and I would love to get other people's input, mm-hmm. yours and, and the listeners. Um, but I think like with with when um, a a middle brow art fan or whatever kind of art, um, sort of, I think has in their mind a checklist of what makes that particular art form good, you know, mm-hmm. and they're bringing their own list of criteria to the thing. Right. Whereas I think a highbrow art fan mm-hmm. is um, more allergic to cliche and more uh, open to being surprised by, you know, de- dealing with dealing with the art form not only in in the way that it's been used traditionally mm-hmm. but just looking at its elements and you know its tools and so meeting the art where it is rather than require that the art meet them where they are yeah and i think um the example that i thought of that i didn't say because i wanted to save it for the podcast is that i think the middle brow uh fans who think they're highbrow are the kind of say critics who pan something like Citizen Kane when it first comes out or other mm. things that are ahead of their time. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Because uh it doesn't meet the criterion they already the the criteria they already had in their mind. Okay, well based on you know what, all right, based on your definition, I would venture to say that I do have slightly more highbrow uh sensibilities uh, certainly, yeah, I, certainly I, than I used to. I never you're the one who said you're a middle bro. I never did. And you know, I think I think uh, I'm thinking in in different terms. I'm I'm thinking about um, movies, like a movie that would be described as middle brow, or a movie that is described as high brow or low brow. As far as the ones that I like the most, I think I respond most to films that are kind of shooting for that middle brow type thing. But I, and I think that's, um, and that's okay. It's it's okay to like any of them. I think yeah, and uh, I think they can exist just like high brow and low brow can exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm struggling to think of an example right now, no. but um, I'm certain I will. Um, I mean, I think uh, this is going to be kind of a bold statement maybe to some, but I think Black Hawk Down, the movie, is both highbrow and lowbrow because it's got the lowbrow sort of uh, genre, visceral you know, aspect of it being you know, just loud and exciting and fast, and it's mm-hmm. very good at that. But it's also just, you know, uh, narratively and in, in some cases aesthetically, almost experimental. You know, it's odd that you may, that you bring that up because I think that's a very. I was going to use the example, of course, of Mulholland Drive, which uh, I famously uh, did not care, like actively hated when I first saw it, and mm-hmm. then since it led to came, an argument in which I threw a bowl of popcorn across the room. Yes, yes, that did happen. <laughs> um, I think we talked, think about, that we talked about that part of it. Oh, I, I thought we did. Maybe. I was being a little dismissive, but uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think Black Hawk Down is a better example of, like what you're talking about, and this is, and I feel like somebody could, like I said, potentially get angry when you're saying like, well, you're actually middle brow, but you think you're high brow. No one likes hearing that sort of thing. I'm not accusing any one person. No, I know, okay. but just in general. <laughs> um, and I think when I first saw Black Hawk Down, I think I was approaching it with... I would say decidedly middle brow sensibilities 
And the thing that bothered me was the general lack of character development. You know, it's not about, as opposed to something like a Saving Private Ryan, which puts char- almost character cliches on each character. Yeah. And, yeah, and that is Private one- Ryan, apart from the opening sequence, which is mm-hmm. still brilliant, hasn't aged well for me in, a, in, a, in a, lot, a lot of that stuff. I still, I, I, I like that opening shot, not, not shot, that opening sequence, and I like a lot of the uh, cinematography the, the, yeah, and the things, ending sequence. And Yeah, there are things throughout. Yeah, and I like some of those characters, and I think that the actors do a pretty good job of transcending obvious um, stereotypes or, mm-hmm. or uh, archetypes. I should have said right. Um, and the, and so, but the thing is, like everybody, when they think of a war movie, specifically about a group of guys, and they are all part of the same unit or whatever, mm-hmm. they think of Saving Private Ryan. They think of Platoon, and they think I would say now they think of Band of Brothers. Uh, Sands of Iwo Jima. Sands of Iwo Jima is another good example. Yes, and so it's you know it's as old as that, maybe even older. Whereas Black Hawk Down is not that interested in that. It's interested in putting you in the in these guys' circumstances. The sympathy will come from you being like, "Holy shit, they have to deal with this." That's mm-hmm. how you get the sympathy. Not some not some guy flashing a picture of his uh, of his beloved back home. Yeah, you know. And so, but at the and, time, and also uh, you know. Black Hawk Down, like I would imagine a real battle, doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end right. traditionally. It's sort of, you know, narratively, it sort of just angles off and shoots off in different directions or, or even meanders at times. Yeah. Because it doesn't, it, the movie it, doesn't seem any more sure of what, where it's going than an actual battle would. And it doesn't, you know, the battle doesn't wait for this nice dialogue scene between these two characters to wrap up satisfactorily to continue. Like it will start whenever it's going to start. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that I don't think I appreciated at the time. And because I, like you mentioned, I had a set list of criteria for what made a good movie. And one of them was character development. Not not even that you had to sympathize with them, but that you had to know where they, you had to know who each person was, what their backstory was. They had to be, as fleshed out as they could be. If it's an ensemble piece, then it's basically a bunch of supporting characters, but you still knew where they were coming from. And Black Hawk Down wasn't interested in that, and so I I think I labeled it a, a directorial achievement with great editing and all that, but ultimately not a satisfying movie. But it wasn't interested in being satisfying in a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. And as time has gone on, I've looked back and think, yes, that movie was actually really great. And so I, But what's interesting is, at the time... I was one of the, you know, one of these people that you're talking about. I thought I was being highbrow by holding it to this standard of it needs to have this, you know, one, two, three, four, five. It has to have all of these things mm-hmm. in order to qualify as a great movie. And it lacks this one. But perhaps it's it lacks what I realize now is perhaps it lacked that one on purpose so that it could better achieve something else that is outside of my criteria. And so... I thought I was being highbrow, but I think I was being decidedly uh, middlebrow. And uh, middlebrow, I we keep using it. A, it's a newer term than highbrow and lowbrow. Yeah. Um, and we keep using it pretty strictly in the negative sense. And I think it can be limiting to approach every film from that point of view. Mm. But just like lowbrow doesn't necessarily mean ma- mean bad, middlebrow doesn't necessarily mean bad either. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Brokeback, ba- Brokeback Mountain, I think, is a pretty hmm. strongly middle-brow film, and I think it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite movies of that year. 
Um, but, I, you know, I think, uh, I mean, Ang Lee is kind of a classist, cla- not a classist, but a classicalist, classicist, 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 is that that's, right? That's how I would say it, yes. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's not particularly interested in um, staking new ground. He's interested in using the tradition of Mm -hmm. narrative storytelling to the best he can. And I think, you know, with Brooklyn Mountain, with Sense and Sensibility, with the Ice Storm... Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, even, I think. I I need to revisit it, because I didn't like it at first. But But that's like a specific... That's him doing a specific genre that you wouldn't think from any of the other movies. But what I mean is the ones that I named are the ones that I think he's successful. But I think he's also been, you know... uh, I don't like Crouching Tiger as 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 much as a lot of people... Um, Ride with the Devil, you know, mm. I don't like. Hulk. Uh, I didn't like Hulk. I enjoyed a great deal. Yeah. Um, a more recent director who has a film in theaters now who I think is an Ang Lee type of middle-brow director and has made both good and bad films is Joe Wright. Oh, absolutely. Um, I haven't seen Hannah. You have. So I, I don't have. know, But, you know, I like Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like Atonement. I like parts of Atonement, but yeah, overall. But, you know, and... Atonement is a is a movie that I've had to revisit. Not literally. Uh, I don't feel like watching it uh, <laughs> again. But it's a it's a movie that I I think back on and, and I because of movies like um, Mulholland Drive and Black Hawk Down, both two thousand one movies, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, because of movies like that, and my my eventual response to them, I I find myself thinking back on something like Atonement and thinking, okay. It wasn't what I wanted it to be. It certainly wasn't what I expected. And Joe Wright is a strong director. And so maybe I need to give it another shot. Maybe I need to try to see where what he was trying to do rather than what I expected. And certainly what the movie was touted as, which was this great love story, which I don't think it is. Um, you know, it's it's very much told from one person's point of view, and that person was outside of that story. So the story, it's the love story itself. I, I always thought is kind of shallow, but at the same time, maybe that think, was always the point. But I think the main, the problem is that the the main story, which should be the story of, I mean, it's called atonement. You know, someone mm-hmm. having to spend a lifetime living with the guilt of an awful thing they did. Yeah, uh, is also shallow. That's the problem. That's my problem with atonement is mm-hmm. that I don't feel like. Uh, it, I don't feel like the, I, don't, I feel like I'm trying not to spoil Atonement for anyone yeah. who hasn't seen it, even though it's been a few years. Um, but uh, I just don't feel like the person who is spending the movie paying for the thing they did wrong is actually suffering or paying for it in any any anything more than a shallow way. And it makes me wonder because I I could address that more fully if I right. if I weren't trying not to spoil it, spoil it. I and I've yeah, not I've I've not read you're a, you're a little mumbly but that's all right because uh, at one point it took me a moment to realize you'd said crouching tiger you're like Roger yeah but uh, that's all right hey we all have our moments I interrupt constantly but uh, but I, I, I find myself because I've not read uh, the book uh, of atonement and I I I bet the it's book of atonement I know it sounds very <laughs> dramatic doesn't it um, but uh, the the story of that character and her dealing with this guilt and responsibility. You said her, that's a bit of a spoiler. I'm sorry. It? How about it? I think he or she. He or she. Well, it's a she. I'm sorry, I said it already. <laughs> um, the Her living with uh, a lifetime of guilt, I think that's something that could be better conveyed in a book. 
Um, and I don't like mm-hmm. to say I don't like to say like ah, it makes a better book than a movie. Anything can make a good movie, but some t- like if you're intent on accomplishing all the same things as a book, you're probably not going to be able to. I think. Yeah. Um, can I go on a quick tangent here? Go Speaking ahead. Of books, and I know this. <laughs> Speaking of books, I know that I have a television podcast, but there's this show on HBO called Game of Thrones mm-hmm. that two episodes have aired, and I pretty much like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but every message board or Twitter feed or whatever, including friends of mine, every person who, uh, every place that the show is talked about is infested with people comparing it to the books that it's based infested. on. Infested. Well done. And I just want them all to shut up and let me watch the show. Mm-hmm. You know? I've never like, I'm I'm a bit of a nerd and I always was. Mm-hmm. I've never more identified with the bully desire to punch a nerd for being nerdy (laughs) than when I read people talking about how the HBO Game of Thrones compares to the book series. Now on these message boards, do they, is there, it is a specific thread called like the difference between the book and the show? The thread will be called like HBO's Game of Thrones or whatever. And it'll be, and and they won't, you know, to their credit, they're not spoiling what, what happens. Okay. And if it were, if there were a thread for that, that'd okay. be great. I would. I just wouldn't go in there. They could talk about it there, and then the thread for HBO's Game of Thrones could be about the show. Mm-hmm. But like, and it's, sometimes it's not even criticism. It's just like, oh, I envy these uh, new viewers who haven't read the book. They have no idea what's in store for them with this character. And it's like, shut up. Just let me enjoy the show. That's that's kind of how I always felt about uh, the Harry Potter series because I specifically. My my wife has read all the books. We own the books. I would like to read them at some point uh, once I actually get back into any kind of habit of reading, which yeah, it's been a long time. But uh, but I've I specifically don't want. I I think I've said it on the show before. I don't want to read the books until the movies are done, which is coming up. But because I don't I don't want to be disappointed, but also I want to see how the movies bear out on their own and i think they bear out pretty uh, pretty well of course every once in a while a new element is introduced and you're like that was abrupt is that a thing <laughs> is that always okay i bet that's better explained in the book okay i'll just have to ignore it and accept what's going on um but uh but yeah whenever someone says like oh i can't wait to see, you know especially uh stuff like uh not to bash entertainment weekly again but entertainment weekly is really bad about that sort of thing when talking about Specifically talking about books, and then it's like, uh, you know the movies are way behind, right? Because I didn't know this character died. Yeah. Thanks a lot, jerk. Yeah, I read Entertainment Weekly, and I've read all the books. Okay. But I have, I, I'm like, seriously? You're just going to say that? Yeah. I mean, I guess in theory, the person might just skip that story if they don't want to hear about it. But at the same time, like, if, I don't know, you, you got to make it clear you're talking here about the books. Yeah. Not the whole thing. Yes. So, Game of Thrones fans, I'm so glad that you found a book series that speaks to you. <laughs> I'm really, really happy for you. Um, it doesn't sound like you're happy, Dave. Just shut up about it or go off into... Uh, have your own little George R. R. Martin, Mar- George R. R. Martin Song of Fire and Ice club. Okay. Those are the books that it's based on. Have your own little club. Now, caveat. If HBO ever made a series based on Neil Stevenson's Baroque Cycle, I would be completely guilty of everything that I'm decrying right now. All right. So, all right. So, uh, you can, uh, if you have any thoughts on um, 
<laughs> Game of Thrones. No, I don't want to hear your thoughts on Game of Thrones. Please. There are way too many thoughts out there. Okay, look, everybody. Here's the deal. <laughs> we have a message board. I want everyone here to start a Game <laughs> of Thrones thread and just say everything that happens. It'll be <laughs> delightful to me. Um, anyway. Uh, no, if you have thoughts on my hastily concocted definitions of high, middle, and low brow um, and any other examples, uh, please email them to both of us. David at BattleshipRetention.com and Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. Why did you do that to me? Because you just said with the imp of the ver- perverse thing, you yeah, didn't that get was enough. Yeah, that was a conversation I was taking a really active part in. Oh. No, just email them to David. I okay, don't, I yeah, don't just me. Anymore. Apparently, just me. <laughs> if you want to see me on that one, it's fine. <laughs> um, but we've got a topic. We sure do. Before we get into the topic, though, I, w- I do want to say, if you are one of the prize winners... You need to. What do they need? What do you? What What do you need from them? Well, here's what you can do. I don't feel like announcing everything now, although I guess I very well could. But what you can do is you can go to battleshipretention.com, click on the donate page. Uh, we do have uh, the list of the winners. So please, if you're hearing this, go and check and see if your name is listed, and then email me, Tyler at battleshipretention.com. Give me your uh, address so that we can send you your prize packages. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple of holdouts. Yeah, so um, get to it, buddy. You're you're missing out on great pri- great prizes. Yeah. All right. So, uh, shit. Uh, Game of Thrones is uh, full of a lot of political intrigue. About it's about uh, kings and rulers and shit. So your, your your disappointment in yourself is palpable right now. Like you're just <laughs> yeah. very frustrated. I can see. So with that in mind, um, and this wasn't necessarily actually the inspiration. I just wanted to talk about this, but uh, about this as a topic. We're going to talk about movies about government, and I specifically whenever often Tyler when I, and I don't know if I've ever said it to you like this, but when I come up with a topic. Sometimes I specifically don't tell you exactly how I'm defining it because I want I don't want you to be limited. I want the conversation to be free to change and uh, I want to be surprised. I want to be highbrow about the way that I go into the show. Here's why that bothers me is because because uh, now I'm worried about getting it wrong. I'm worried no, about but that's the thing that there there is no wrong. Yeah, so, but I'm gonna I'm either gonna match up with your uh, with your definition or not, and you'll you'll be like, ah, oh, Tyler's way off. No, I won't be. I'll be surprised by uh, the way you approached it. So I, I think all to I told you was that it was movies about government, mm-hmm. both from the go- those who govern and those who are governed from both from both point of views. Yes, and uh, here's here's well. First off, I would like to know how you arrived at the topic. Was it just kind of a general thing, or it's something I think about? I guess okay. something I've been thinking about. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm trying. I mean, I. I don't know what it was that I saw recently that made me think that. Hmm. Even though I've been watching The West Wing, it wasn't that. Yeah. How far are you on that, by the way? Are you almost to five? Uh, yeah, we've got one episode left in season four. All right. I will get my... And how, you know, uh, my girlfriend was able to stop after the end of the second to last episode of season four and not just immediately watch the next one, even though it was very late at night. Yeah. I'll never understand because... Some people have that ability. That that cliffhanger, and it's not even the season cliffhanger. It's the yeah. penultimate episode season, the penultimate episode cliffhanger. That's amazing. Yeah. And with that, uh, 
the Massive Attack song. <laughs> That's in, it's in Snatch. Yes, it is. The same song. Yeah, it's a good song. Uh, okay, so government movies. Uh, first off, I forgot about the governed part. Uh, although, <laughs> although I, I sort of included that uh, a little bit, but it it almost always had almost every movie on my list had to do with seeing behind the curtain of government in some way, whether it be because there is a difference. Not not a huge difference, but there is a difference between movies about politics and movies about government. Now, one could yeah. say that in, in making a movie about government, you're also making a movie about politics because of how big of a role that plays. Yeah. But in making a movie about politics, you're not always making one about government. Yeah. Um, the, I have a few documentaries on here, and the, the documentary, The Corporation, is a very political documentary, but it's mm-hmm. not really about the government or how the government works or how the how the people in the government work i guess that's kind of how i was i was approaching it see Uh, and i i thought of going in that direction but like my list would have just like probably doubled and uh, uh, and so i tried to i tried to remain fairly specific while also within that being as broad as i as as is possible but uh but you this is your this is your baby David. Yeah, I'm not sure where to start. I know uh, I do eventually want to get into. I found in making my list, I have a whole like subsection of movies set in the future where governments have become yeah more totalitarian. There's certainly 1984 and Starship Troopers and obviously Brazil and RoboCop, THX 1138. All these movies are all on my list, uh, but I feel like we should save that. Okay, and I want to. Um, and I know I I I, I know you didn't talk about from the point of view from those who are governed but i kind of do want to start there uh and um or start specifically with those who are not governed or those who are ignored by the government oh all right or, or, or only they only get the the bad parts you know government is ideally a place that is representative of all of those who are governed by it right um, but to certain subjects, certain subsects of society, you know, the poor or, you know, the black, um, they, government is more of an authority figure than something they have a hand in. Caveat. Uh, so I know that there's probably already, we're, th- we're here already. Uh, I know there's probably a lot of listeners who are like, oh shit. Here we go. Because when you and I get political, sometimes pe- we've gotten emails uh, from people saying like, "I don't want to hear this. I want to hear about movies and that sort of thing." Yeah, and, and you know so, why they, oh, I get that. Why is that? Wait, why you get that? Like, why you understand that point? No, of view, why or? they send these emails? Oh, I don't know. Why do they? Not all of them. Some of them are right, but I think there's certain people who, uh, and I want. I need to make clear both sides of the aisle here. There uh-huh. are people who are looking to be offended. And if I say something about the government, they're going to assume that I'm talking about Republicans more than Democrats or vice versa. Right. And that I'm attacking them. Yeah. Uh, I haven't said... When I said the government ignores poor people, I mean that our American government ignores poor people. You know why? Because poor people don't have enough money to have influence. It doesn't matter if they're they're, uh, Republican or Democrat. You know, Democrats do love to claim to represent 
the poor people better than uh, better than the Republicans, but they only go so far as to re- represent like maybe the lower middle class. Mm-hmm. True, real poor people are ignored across the board mm-hmm. by everyone. Okay. In in uh, in the in the two major parties, and I wasn't saying that like I wasn't wasn't saying that for me. I'm not I'm not offended, and I know you, and I know uh, what you mean. But uh, but what I did want to say is that you know this kind of goes back to uh, the episode we did about subjectivity in in film criticism is that we are probably our our opinions of what government is and what it should be um, will probably come into play in this discussion because. Such is the nature of these movies. Like, what mm-hmm. do you what do you expect? Uh, I mean, if you, I mean, I guess you could skip this episode. I mean, I guess you could approach. I guess you could look at at this topic and say, why did they even have to cover that? Well, because there's a lot of movies made about this, mm-hmm. as well there should be, and uh, and so yes, yeah, so I, I I hope that whatever as you say whatever side of the aisle you're on, my hope is that you won't get offended by either of us saying one thing or another. It is our opinion. And what's more, it's our opinion filtered through our interpretation of a movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that was the caveat I wanted to make. Not that, yeah. hey, David's going to be a jerk, because I'll probably say stuff too. Uh, although, I don't give the impression... I try not to give the impression that I know a lot. David gives that impression. <laughs> yeah, I try. He, he doesn't, but he doesn't oh, I know, know I a lot, but he gives the impression. So I also, again, he's got that tie on. He looks like you look like Jim Cramer right now. I do. Yeah, you got the tie and the shirt sleeves up, and yeah, but you I look have like my hair. You're ready, you're ready for business, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've also found that I'm only just sort of realizing this that almost all my movies are about the American government. I did pick a few, uh, you know, uh, French and Japanese and British movies, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway. Here's where I want to start with a movie that, okay, tangent. No, here already, all right. Yeah. Movies or, okay, Carlos, which was on my top ten list last right. year, is a mini, a TV miniseries mm-hmm. as well as a movie. Mm-hmm. And what about, you know, just like um, Temple Grandin or the just aired Cinema Verite? Mm. They're made for TV, but they're movies and they're HBO, they're not censored or edited for TV, so what is keeping them from being a real movie? Is anything? Or can you think of can I think of Tumble Grandin as a movie and be okay with that? Uh I feel like that's alright although I with the except with one exception, which is a movie called Citizen X, uh which was an HBO made for TV. Uh-huh. Um I I did not incorporate any, although I would have loved to put, you know, uh John Adams on there right. and stuff like that. Well, but, I've got. Uh, well, I tried to keep it mostly to th- like things that were always meant to be movies, and yes, th- I I feel like that can include um, TV movies as well. If you okay, like. well, this I don't think might I don't think will pass your test. Okay, it's a do- it's a documentary miniseries made for HBO by Spike Lee called When the Levees Broke. Okay, no, get it out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's one of the most heartbreaking and infuriating things you'll ever see in your life. That's what I've heard. Um, and uh, it, it you know uh, I'm always when you're dealing with subject matter that that's in, that's that infuriating. Mm-hmm. I talked about this I think on the website where I wrote about Inside Job and that 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 documentary and how can you 
how can you keep a level enough head to make such a clear-headed or or at least coherent documentary mm-hmm. when you're dealing with subject matter that is so infuriating and uh I so I give credit to Spike Lee here as well to be able to make 4 hours of uh a documentary that just at every turn the government failed these people in ways that is uh beyond just negligent it's like criminal hmm. um and it, it's uh and it's not just you know people love to uh and are right to i think point the finger at the bush administration and their sort of lack of uh um response or slow their their slow response hatred of black people <laughs> according to Kanye West yeah, yeah. Um, Which is not a phrase that will uh, be said just once this episode. (laughs) Yeah. So go on. Wait, which one? Hatred of black people or according to Kanye West? According to Kanye West. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Um, Wait till we get to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kanye Kanye West has had a lot to say about that one. Um, But yeah, it's not just about the federal government. It's about the state and and city governments and Mm -hmm. and, uh, how um, not only... You know, the it's sort of, uh, I guess, um, it's a cliche, but the tip of the iceberg, the um, their slow response or lack of response on all these different levels of government is really just the tip of the iceberg that Spike Lee uh, portrays here. Because, you know, um, the Lower Ninth Ward and that, that area of New Orleans um, that was that had all this, you know, the most damage wasn't damaged by the hurricane itself. It was damaged because the levees broke, mm-hmm. you know, it, it flooded sort of at, after the hurricane. Hmm. Um, and those levees were built by the army Corps of engineers and, and, and people, it, people weren't surprised that they broke. A lot of people knew and had been saying for a long time, these need to be upgraded. These aren't going to hold, uh, and the lack of doing anything about it when i mean i don't think that i'm being a conspiracy theorist when i i say if it were a neighborhood that had nice restaurants and tourist attractions and hotels mm-hmm. uh they would have fixed the levees beforehand you know i don't think i'm being does that sound conspiracy theorist to it me? doesn't no it doesn't sound conspiracy theorist because ultimately you know, there, there's that kind of it, it, the phrase has almost been called a joke at this point, which is like, write your congressman. Uh-huh. And, you know, I feel like there there is maybe like a class of people or a type of people that might feel a bit more entitled and they might say like, hey, this is we won't stand for this. But and I don't think I'm saying anything inherently negative about the extreme poverty stricken, but there's almost a mentality because I, you know, I've seen films about this and I've gone on like mission trips to like poverty stricken Mexico and stuff like that. And it's interesting talking to some of the local leaders and there is a a mindset of we can't do it. Nothing's nobody's going to do anything for us anyway. So why even bother complaining? And Mm. And so even if it is common knowledge amongst the area that, hey, this is something that's going to happen, there's almost this, you know, almost an institutionalized, I won't say victimhood because that sounds almost, uh, that like almost sounds, 
Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds mean. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just this institutionalized hopelessness, and it's resignation. Yeah, yeah, sense of resignation is a great way of phrasing it, and this idea of, and it's not like it's not based on anything. Mm-hmm. It's that we know that like we don't have any lobbyists. Nobody cares what we think, and so they're not going to care this time either. But it's beyond that. It's beyond just not caring. Um, mm-hmm. You know, speaking of conspiracy theory, there is Spike Lee does give a little bit of his film over to people's conspiracy theories that the dams were actually uh, exploded by the government in order to flood the Lower Ninth Ward. Um, and I, I don't believe that happened. Um, mm-hmm. But he does a good job of showing how these people have lived um, in these conditions for so long that they. You can't blame them for feeling not. Not only does the government not care about them, but it seems to actively dislike them. And right. It, 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 you're able to get to a place where it seems plausible that that the government, be it the federal, state, or city, uh, you know, um, government, uh, was just trying to clean out the lower ninth so that they could. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, move in, more white people. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Um, but the, I mean, there are parts of Los Angeles that are not very desirable. And if some, if we got hit by an earthquake and a certain and an undesirable part of town was damaged the most, mm-hmm. and people were dying and they desperately needed aid, there would there probably would be whether in government or not, there would be probably a group of you know people, maybe they're outspoken, maybe they're not, who would say like, just leave them. You there know, are, they're not, I, I don't they're wanna, not bringing anything to the city, so just leave them. I don't want to try to like play the game of which city has the most blight, but there are parts of Chicago that uh, that oh, yeah. look like they were hit by an earthquake and everyone just walked away. Yeah, there are terrifying parts of the south side of Chicago uh, that look like ghost towns. Yeah, um, I had, I remember I watched a documentary about uh, Cabrini Green, and uh, right. and then. And then I moved to Chicago, and I think... And but I Cabrini's actually, not actually on the south side. Right. No, no, it's not. It's uh, And I remember passing it and thinking, like, oh, this doesn't look awful. <laughs> I was trying to put it... But then I then I realized, like, oh, well, they've been in... Slowly but surely, like, the city had been sort of getting the lower class yeah. black people out so that they could build some nice condos and stuff like yeah. that, so... But, no, you're absolutely right. Okay, so that's enough on when the levees broke. But I do want to stay in um, the realm of, uh, and actually talk about a movie you've seen, in the realm of people who are ignored by their government. And this gets into politics as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is uh, Warren Beatty's Bullworth. Bullworth? How did I? Oh, damn it. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) But I have seen it, and I do love it, yes. Um, And what I like about that movie, and Bullworth... Admitting is a very liberal. It comes from a very liberal point of view, mm-hmm. but there's very little mention of Republicans in the entire movie. Right. The Democrats are the bad guys. The movie is about how the Democrats have uh, that the the Democrats who have been, you know, paying lip service to the black community and taking their votes for decades, mm-hmm. the way that they've ignored and wronged uh, the black community. Right. Because and that and I think because they don't specifically say Republican and because they're taking. Because it's Democrats taking pe- members of their own party, or maybe just a general trend in their party, taking it to task. Oddly enough, in that, they're doing more to indict all of politics than if they had pointed the finger at the other group. Like, they recognize, 
yeah, this character is a Democrat, but he could be a Republican. The idea that, yes, there are certain ideals that uh, that each party has right up until the, and, and right up until the point where, OK, this will get me elected. Right. I don't necessarily have to do anything for this. These people, as long as I give the impression I'm doing something for yeah. them. For example, speaking as a uh, Christian who is, I guess, uh, politically center, but it is it is very frustrating to me the way religion is used to just curry votes. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I do think that George W. Bush, I do think that his faith is real. I don't think I didn't feel condescended to or I, di- I didn't feel anything like that. But I do know that. John McCain in every I and I like John McCain but like in every everything up until his actual presidential bid he always talked about he he keeps his faith kind of to himself he believes certain things but he doesn't he doesn't make them a big deal mm-hmm. and then of course every and then Sarah Palin came along and she made more of a big deal of it and that sort of thing um and so you know, there's just as much populism on both sides. Of mm-hmm. If we just say these words, then it doesn't matter what we actually do. Yeah. These people will be on our side. Yeah. And that that certainly does not speak well of the governed, I'll say that. And Yeah, but you know, people do congregate into camps, or maybe they're forced there by their nature, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. or, or not their nature, but their, their circumstances that they're born into. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're... Uh, I, I can think of one part in Bullworth where the word Republican is used when he is at the church meeting and he tells them there's these awful things like, yeah, we're just going to keep taking your votes. And as long as we keep you in fast food and, and, and all this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, what are you going to do? Vote Republican? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And it's, and it's a very, it's very funny. Uh, that, that whole scene is very funny, but it's also very true that it's just like, we don't have to be really that good to you. Yeah. I mean, he's he's of course being very bold and being very honest, but it is almost it's sort of an un, it's an unspoken truth that I don't really even have to cater to you that much because you're not going to vote for uh, yeah. this guy over here. Yeah. So uh, fuck yourself, I guess, <laughs> is the attitude. Um, okay, let's move into some movies that you had on your list. Okay, let's talk about government itself. Okay, we started with the governed or the poorly governed, and when the levees broke. Mm-hmm. Which we talked now in Bullworth, we talked about both them and the politicians. So let's go fully into those governing. Watch this, watch this, okay, jerk. Because <laughs> I'm going to use. I don't know why I'm getting mad at you. I do, but I'm not going to share it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to use an example of when uh, the governed quickly becomes the government unexpectedly, which is of course the movie Dave. <laughs> Uh, which is That's right above Bullworth, my list. There you go. And uh, I, I remember I took a uh, an American government class in high school, and much like every other class that year, I did not get a good grade in it because I didn't see the point. And uh, but we did wa- we did, however, watch a lot of movies in that class. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when we were talking about the executive branch, we uh, we watched Dave. Now, personally, I feel like we probably should have watched The American President, and I feel like that was that'd probably be better to demonstrate that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, but they say fuck three times in The American President. I guess, you know what, I guess they do. Do you think they had, like, I remember when I was in, like, eighth grade, we saw, like, the specifically edited for schools versions of Last of the Mohicans and Glory. Glory, yeah. Do you think there's a... 
an American president edited for schools? Maybe if they just I, they I just somehow, take out those parts. I some I doubt it. I don't think it's I don't think it's that powerful. Uh, but um, I, you know what? You don't I like want, the American president. Don't there, get me there's wrong. no good. There's no good reason to watch Glory if you're not going to see that guy's head blow blow up. <laughs> and there's no good reason to watch the American president if you don't get to hear Michael J. Fox say fuck. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm with you on that second one because it is a re- you don't. It's like Alex Keaton. Yeah. Stop Marty, the, Marty st- McFly. Stop with the filth mouth. <laughs> that one, that one guy from uh, Mars Attacks. But uh, I yeah. guess that was afterwards. But uh, do you remember the part? And I talked about it when Pilar uh, oh, yeah. Sanders was on the show. Yeah. When we're done here, we're gonna get some steaks and some cigars. We're gonna sit down. We're gonna make a nice big list of everyone who tried to fuck us this week. Yep. I might be getting some of the words wrong, but it's a. That's about right. It's yeah. a great line, though. And it's a undeniably Sorkin line. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so. What I, and of course, Dave is very. I mean, it's of course very Capra esque. And I was going to use Dave to this. Okay, I was gonna. I was gonna plan it all out. But yeah. I'm. Ga- don't. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna blow say it. it. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, but Dave is very. It's a very optimistic kind of thing, and it's a very. It plays with the idea that, granted, through a fluke. Uh, mm-hmm. And ju- a fluke mixed with, by the way, government conspiracy and, in you know... How did innumerable- I forget to put King Ralph on the list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, every member of Congress, like the president, vice president, every member of Congress, they all were getting their picture taken. <laughs> they all got electrocuted. And then somehow this uh, this Dave character uh, <laughs> is, is next in line. But, uh, but yeah, and... There's a great... Uh, there's an op- awesome episode of Buffy okay. in season six called Tabula Rasa where a spell goes wrong and for the entire episode, everyone loses their memory. Hmm. And so they all have to deal with it. It's, a, it's a, actually a really great episode. Um, and then at the end, as the spell's wearing off, they're getting their, their memories back and they're dealing with what they've learned about each other. It's a serious scene. And then Xander sort of giggles a little bit and like what and he's like oh, I just got the memory back of seeing King Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's v- okay. It's a funny show. Yeah. Buffy. That's a very funny episode. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So So Dave, okay, yes. So a series of flukes and government conspiracy. So there's all kinds of nefarious things going on. Mm-hmm. But ultimately it is a movie about one of the neat things about democracy and it's it's symbolic, but it's it's that in theory, anybody can hold any elected office. Yeah. They have to get elected, of course, although the character of Dave is not. But that is that is one of the things that is great in that if you get somebody who legitimately wants to make some sort of change, and in the case of Dave, he doesn't know enough about politics to know why he can't make this change, or, well, I mean, he he can, but why he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. is how I should have phrased it. Um, so you get someone who's kind of naive in the world of politics, but not in the world itself, and they can get elected, and before you know it, actual things are happening. I just watched, I've been watching a lot of the American experience lately, and uh-huh. I've been watching a lot of things about uh, various presidents, and uh, Harry Truman, Missourian, uh-huh. uh, is... Very much like that. No, I mean he was he failed at a lot of stuff. He wasn't really great at that much stuff, and then uh, he he basically got bankrolled by 
I would venture to say the most powerful and corrupt man in Missouri mm-hmm. to run for uh, Senate, I believe. And and then he made it, and he was a joke. Everyone said, like, oh, this guy can't stand on his own two feet. He doesn't know anything. But he didn't, and it's true, he didn't know much, but he knew just enough to not know about the politics. And so he was able to get a lot of neat things done, even though there are people, I mean, like, as far as any kind of civil rights uh, legislation, he was, like, the first guy to do that, in spite of people, even in his own party, saying, like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And he's like, "Ah, I think I'm going to do it. Yep, done. And just, (laughs) that wasn't his attitude, but... You know, it's. It, so there's it's, an exact scene in Dave after mm-hmm. he's called his uh, his tax guy, or accountant yeah. Charles Groton to the White House, and then he goes <laughs> and he like just makes some cuts of the budget meeting. People are like you can't do that, and he's like, I just did. Yeah, it's <laughs> why can't I? I love that scene with Charles Groton. Oh yeah, um, that and I love. I can't remember exactly what Charles Groton says when he. If looks. I ran my business like this, I'd be out of business. Yeah, um, that's exactly what it is because I once heard a guy say that. Mm-hmm. For real, when I worked at um, I worked at this nursing home, and it was kind of a posh nursing home, but it, there was a McDonald's nearby, mm-hmm. and I would go there for lunch sometimes. And there and there were these two uh, older guys. Clearly, I don't know. They must have been visiting someone in the nursing home because they were clearly rich guys, okay. like very much like Brooks Brothers, you know, khakis and sweaters, like rich guys. Mm-hmm. Golf course, rich guys, and um, they had ordered right before me, and then I ordered, and uh, the food was taking forever. Legitimately, I mean, these guys were right to be upset. The food was taking forever, mm-hmm. but the guy said, "I'm not going to be able to make this funny because Charles Grodin said it." Right. It's the, the, but those exact words, he turned to his friend and just said, "If I ran my business like this, I'd be out of business." And it struck me as so funny that I sometimes forget that Charles Grodin said that in the movie because I equate it to. This weird old rich white guy in his disgust at the McDonald's. So when you saw when you see Dave, you think like, "Oh, Gary Ross must have known this guy, <laughs> this old uh, this old guy at this uh, nursing home." Firing my business like this, I'd be out of business. <laughs> but it, it's so, really stuck with me, and I know that it's not going to be funny to everyone who's listening. But it's that's all right. It's one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me in my life. It's it's it is the standard kind of like crotchety old man <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, can't you just imagine like? I mean, there's a big you know, there's all kinds of budget uh, problems now. I mean, can't you imagine an older crotchety senator s- senator saying, mm-hmm. "Mr. Obama." If I ran my business like this, I'd be out of business. Uh-huh. Doesn't it sound like it's something Trump would say now that I think about it? <laughs> well, when you when you say it like you, which is pointing while you talk, <laughs> yeah. you kind of have some Trump-like uh, qualities to you. <laughs> uh, hang on. Okay. You've, you've rendered me speechless. I'm just saying, if you were going to fire someone, I would say... You would accompany it with a hand gesture. I wouldn't be uh, mean about it. I'd be very sad, and uh, you know, I'd be like, I'd "Be like, hey, man!" I, I would, I would incorporate a shrugging hand gesture, like, "Hey, man, there's nothing I can do. I'm sorry. We have to let you go." You're That's fired. it. You're, You're fired. fired. You're fired. Get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've been swearing so much, everybody. But, um, but that is, you know, I, I don't. I most of the movies on my list are very, um negative and pessimistic about government but dave 
is not. And well, it's both. I mean, you I guess it is a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned that it's Capra esque, and this will take us into Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yes, uh, Kanye West's favorite movie. Um, <laughs> I'm starting that rumor. Uh, and I know I'm not the first person to say this, but I think Frank Capra's um, reputation mm-hmm. as sort of the film equivalent of uh, Norman Norman uh, Rockwell, Rockwell yeah. um, is isn't entirely fair. He's there's a lot of cynicism to his movies, yeah. you know, to uh, to this and It's Wonderful Life and to You Can't Take It With You, um, but it has some hope mixed in with it. It's both, you know, and and so both Dave and Mr. Smith goes to Washington end on up notes, but you can't forget how things got to where they were, and it's because it it uh, it's because of the corruption that both these films deal with head on. You know, and they don't. I don't think they do try to. I think both Dave and Mister goes to Washington uh, don't try to say, "Well, these bad guys are right. corrupt." They try to, in some ways, paint around the corners and, and illustrate. I don't know what paint around the corners means, and illustrate how it's uh, systemic, the corruption. However, and here's and here's where because you're right. Yes, it is pessimistic and optimistic. But what's interesting is that they're pessimistic about what the government is. They're optimistic about the concept of what American government can be and that all we need to do is embrace the, uh, not the ideal, but embrace what our government is and we can take care of what, or what our, we embrace what our government can be and we can take care of what it is. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of, well, this guy may be the most corrupt person in the world, but we can always we can always elect somebody else like that's a possibility and we have a free press and so they can say what they want about this person now of course the cynicism comes in it's like well maybe maybe the press isn't that free the guy can always buy votes there's mm-hmm. that sort of thing but it's saying that but there's always things we can do but i feel like i need to get up in my soapbox right, for a second there's always something that can be done about it I, always yeah i don't care if you agree or disagree with me in politics but i think the worst thing for our government for the partic- particular like engine that is american democracy mm-hmm. the worst thing is malaise the yeah. uh, not participating is the only thing that guarantees that our government's going to fail you i was watching that uh, american experience about uh, jimmy carter and he gave his uh, malaise yeah. speech and everyone hated it at the time you go back and watch that speech and it's like damn he's right and they used it in that movie miracle <laughs> remember uh i haven't seen miracle in a while but i only seen it once but i remember that they like that speech, they they play it like mm, I, I think other remember. things are going on, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. There's a Jimmy Carter speech in Miracle. Wait, it's odd that you bring up Miracle because it's right here on my list. <laughs> <laughs> the way Kurt Russell <laughs> governs those young boys and that terrible haircut—that's really something. <laughs> but uh, that movie's not bad. Miracle. I like it. I like it quite a bit. But and so that so no, I do agree. I I absolutely agree with you that like. If that there's always something that can be done about the problem and the the idea of the American system of go, uh, of governing is bigger than our current government, mm-hmm. you know, and so you can appeal to the higher thing in order to take care of this other thing that seems insurmountable, and that's what that's that's why Dave and Mister Smith goes to Washington are hopeful. Mm-hmm. And that's why they will always. 
that's why they remain hopeful is that it's not merely they they both have happy endings yes but even then it's like even if they weren't even if they didn't end happily the mechanism is still there for a happy ending and so i think that's why the why those movies are hopeful and why i really i myself really enjoy them now this movie there are two movies that i needed to talk about okay we already talked we already mentioned the american president but another movie um that's also inspired by a tv series um that's about you know you talk about all this hope these things that could be done mm-hmm. using the government as a as a as a tool for change yeah but there are people the government is so vast and bureaucratic and has so much of its own life that it seems like a lot of people once they get into it they can't see the forest for the trees anymore and they're just a part of the machine mm-hmm. and i think a movie that's uh, a great movie that's about that is uh, In the Loop. Oh, yeah. Uh, Armando Iannucci's film. Um, the, uh, um, I don't know that he's that um, he's necessarily the main character, but the character that gets the most attention. <laughs> but uh, Malcolm is the mm-hmm. character's name. Uh, he, uh, he's not, he, he doesn't have a lot of philosophy about government. No. He's about winning and doing, like his, he has a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's going to do his job the best he can. It, it, like the decisions that are made in the movie that affect the lives of people in the Middle East, uh, you know, more than just affect, they end some lives in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. That's not what he he doesn't care. That's not how he sees it. Right. It's numbers and victories, and he's not, uh, you know, he's not an evil man. And we also see how the um, I cannot remember the name of the actor who plays. The actual politician. He was he was King George and John Adams. Oh shoot! Uh, man, I'm. I and can't. He was in and he's in Hannah as well. And I'm a, and he's in Gosford Park. I'm a big fan of him. And I I. Anyway, he's he's great in the loop. Mm-hmm. And you see how he kind of, he kind of does have things he believes in, but right, it those things get lost because that's that's well, not really all, the point. I, it's I think, all about the job. James Gandolfini's character is also, he's an idealist and he definitely doesn't want to go to war. Absolutely not. But his stand begins and ends with, all right, well, I don't want to get fired or I don't want to get, you know, to borrow from the the title, I don't want to get cut out of the loop when this war happens. Right. And then Simon, which is this one character, oh man, that bothers me so much. I, I love that actor as well. That's upsetting. He's. I think he only has one scene in John Adams, but it's, oh, it's about my favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh, it's a wonderful scene, absolutely. And um, and so For like, series, so, and his character, he also stands for something. And that's his character's. He's not necessarily dumb. He's just inept at. There is actually a difference, and he's inept at doing at getting the things done that he wants to get done. But he does have a definite stand for things. But he's also a, a career politician as well, mm-hmm. and his whole thing is like, you know, I think I because uh, he keeps saying like, I'm if we go to war, I'm going to quit in protest, and then it's like, well, it looks like we're going to war. It's like, hmm, mm-hmm. I think maybe I should stick around. You never know; I yeah. might be able to help. You know, yeah. and just, and so it really is about like it doesn't matter on both sides. They're they're all just out for themselves. And yeah, I think that's uh, in the loop is more cynical than a movie that's about corrupt politicians because it 
suggests that it doesn't matter if they're corrupt or not because any person is going to get swallowed up by this machine. It doesn't matter what they believe. Which is a wonderful... It's, it's, uh, it's going to move forward on its own momentum. Which is a, uh, a really great way to transition into... Uh, I, I'm just going to throw out a bunch of titles because okay. one a theme that I like in movies about governments and as you mentioned yes there is uh there's a lot of movies on my list about the american government and it's mm-hmm. it's because of course i live here and i'm most fascinated in my government cuz i in theory know know how it works yeah. but uh but one one theme that i like is that you know we we build up the government or Congress. I mean, there's jokes to be made about ineptitude and incompetence and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But senator, you know, the Senate, oh, the Supreme Court, the President of the United States. There's a lot of movies that are like, uh, I'll quote a line from uh, uh, All the President's Men, Deep mm-hmm. Throat. These are not very bright guys. <laughs> and it's not so much, now, of course, that's an overstatement, but they're just people. Mm-hmm. They're like you and me. They have the same insecurities. They have the same, you know, all this stuff, and uh, and that brings us. That can bring a certain degree of comfort from a uh, Frank Capra point of view, which is, wow, ju- you know, anybody can be a part of this government. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, shit, anybody can be a part of this government. <laughs> I know how much of a wreck I am. Now imagine these other people, and and so like there's. There's movies like In the Loop and Doctor Strange Love and uh mm-hmm. there's the original taking of Pelham One Two Three. Did you ever see it? I've never seen it. It's no. delightful. And uh the the <laughs> the character of the mayor, I mean, they just make him just a straight up comedic figure. That he's just he's sick in bed when this whole thing's happening. He's like ah. he's like he acts like a child <laughs> when his uh when his like chief of staff comes in and says like, Sir, we need to he's like, ah, I don't wanna can't you just take care of it? And uh and it's just and only when people talk about the voters is he like, alright. And it's and it's he's very childlike. But and so those are, you know, kind of comedic interpretations of politicians as insecure people but then you also get of course the works of oliver stone specifically uh w but even but of course i'm talking about nixon Mm -hmm. who brings in a couple of the things that you're talking about within the loop one is that like this guy and they and they say it of course very overtly throughout the film that he's basing he seems to be basing his policy on these people don't love me so you know what to hell with them (laughs) and that's and just personal I'll be pol- I'll be polite and say idiosyncrasies, whereas in fact they're deep, almost Shakespearean flaws. But it also goes back to one of the things that you're talking about, which is in the movie you see that he actually does want to do some good things. In fact, he wants to do only good things. He still has maybe his own motives for doing them, but he mm-hmm. wants he wants to end the war. He wants to open China. He wants to take care of poverty and all these other things. But his own flaws get in the way. But also in the he also st- wanted uh, universal health care. What? I just I just wanted. Uh, Are I, you siding with Richard Nixon? What I'm saying is that <laughs> Nixon's plan for health care was far more liberal and far more socialist than the one we ended up with with uh, Obamacare. 
So this is the one time that I will, I guess, it choose. It bothers this. me that it's being called that, right? Yeah, it, it is. It is really, uh, really dumb because it's not. It's not for him. It's for you. It's for all of us. This healthcare thing. It has its flaws, but just also if you're one of. The, sorry, I'm getting really hung up on the name. Yeah. <laughs> is it like if you're one of the people who helped like draft this whole thing? You're just like, uh, so what about me? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's the commander in chief and all that, but uh, you know, we're part of this too. Anyway, I just wanted to say that for a second because it does uh, does bother me that that. That that Obama is painted as uh, President Obama is painted as some kind of a a socialist when for when this the, reason when the uh, for other reasons as well mm-hmm. um, but when the you know ostensibly right wing President Richard Nixon wanted an even more socialist policy it's it's interesting I would like to go back and look at the history of the issue because it seemed to be an issue that was on everybody's mind at the time because Johnson really wanted to like. I mean, uh, sorry, like I said, I've been watching a lot of the American experience, but like, you know, Kennedy wanted it, Johnson wanted it, Nixon wanted it. I don't know about, I don't know about Ford or or Carter. I'm sure Carter probably won, but like, it just seemed like after a while, even general discussion of it just went away and I'm not sure why and only came about with, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton in the nineties and stuff like that. And so I'm not sure why it just Went away, went in, the away in the in the late seventies and and eighties. Right. But anyway, uh, but the the other part of of the movie Nixon that I that I really like and is very it's very heartbreaking is when he's talking with the uh, you know the bunch of jerks not jerks what does he use bums yeah that's it <laughs> the bunch of bums at the uh, at the Lincoln Memorial and he's talking with this girl about. You know, you can't just stop a war. There's a lot of things that need to happen, and it's, you know, there's so much that's going on that's bigger than you, and she's and she just says, like, wow, you can't stop it, can you? And then he's like, oh. And then he gets in the limo, and he thinks, like, wow, she figured it out, that it's like some sort of animal that is bigger than any one person, even bigger than a group of people like the Congress. Uh-huh. It is just this thing that is just going along on its own... And you happen, to, and you might get caught up in it. And if you try to do anything to stop it, you'll just get chewed up. And uh, that is, of course, a very uh, cynical view. But uh, you know, um, but it's one that pops up on a lot of movies on my list. You got me thinking with uh, this idea of of humanizing the leader. Um, this is going to take us out of America for the time being. But a great movie. I refuse to go. <laughs> a great movie. No, it's only a pretty good movie. But it's a great illustration of my point here. Um, that uh, sometimes, if a government is weak and a person takes takes over, it is a human being, and their whims, positive and negative, are affecting huge numbers of people. And uh, maybe thinking of them as a human being is detrimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking here of Kevin McDonald's The Last King of Scotland. Huh, very odd. I was thinking of Barbet Schroeder's uh, General Idi Amin Dada. Yeah. Well, All right, there we are. Same guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Last King of Scotland is a uh, a very, very pretty okay movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it does look at this, uh, it, it, it looks at, at the leader, it, it, it only really hints up until the end, I think, at, what is going on in the country because you're 
at ground level with this guy who's a mm-hmm. person and is charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, you're, you're, yeah, you you're, are charmed yeah, by him, much like like James McAvoy's character was. And that's and it's it is actually very interesting that you bring this up right after Nixon because Nixon was. He could be witty, he was a very smart guy, and could be very charming, but when it came to, like, debates and interviews, he was just so unlikable that people, even when they voted for him, were like, ugh, ugh, I don't want to vote for this guy. Whereas, of course, I mean... I get that, I voted for John Kerry. (laughs) Well done. But, But that's the thing, is, like, if you can be, and, you know... People have said this about uh, President Obama is that if you're charismatic, it doesn't matter if not to imply that President Obama is Idi Amin. But, (laughs) you know, but if you're (laughs) just in case anyone was thinking that, which I'm almost positive nobody was. But anyway, uh, if you're charismatic, you can you can win the day you watch, you know, you watch uh Again, I was watching this thing about Nixon, and there are people who listen to the Kennedy Nixon. They listened to it on the radio. They did not watch it. They listened to it, yeah, and they said, story, yeah. "Yeah," and they said, "Like, oh, Nixon clearly won that debate, right?" But anybody who watched it on TV saw the, you know, charismatic Kennedy and what he looked like and his posture and his confidence, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Weasley-looking Nixon. And there's and they're like, "Oh, clearly he won." It's like, yeah, but. Nixon's answers were way more substantial, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter. And that's how, and when you watch General Idi Amin Dada, he, Idi Amin was very, he was very charismatic and he knew exactly how to like work reporters and, and all that. And in spite of, as far as I can tell, constantly sweating um, mm-hmm. and just looking like he was afraid of the truth coming out, which I guess he probably was. But, uh, but yeah, both of those movies, which should be watched together, it's very interesting. Um, what Nixon and the Last King of Scotland? Oh, I was. What are you making a joke? No. no. Which movies are you talking about? General Idi Amin oh, Dada okay. and Last King of Scotland. The two Idi Amin movies, David. Okay. Um, <laughs> are you listening? What's going I'm on? I'm thinking about what I'm going to talk about oh, next. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, like if you watch those, you see a good example of. If you if you put a, a, a strong enough and a likable enough image, you can do almost anything. Now, of course, he also had like strong control over reporters in the country, so that he was able to control any message that was put out into the rest of the world. But you can you can do. I mean, he killed you know hundreds of thousands of his own people, and people didn't know about it for a long, long time because it's just like, well, how could this guy possibly do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's a good uh, one-two punch. Those movies, I think um, what we've talked about a lot is the the sort of uh, the way that morality and issues of right and wrong can get can get muddled. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's also the fog of war is a great uh, oh, yeah. documentary about that. Um, and what I what I had mentioned early, earlier in the show is about these sort of dystopian science fiction futuristic movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of those get written from a point of view of like wanting to just simplify it. You know, it's so frustrating how complex it is, uh, how every, you know, every leader, there are good things and bad things about, 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 uh, Barack Obama and about George W. Bush and about, 
uh, Richard Nixon and even about Idi Amin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be so frustrating for for an issue this big. Um, you want it to be clear, and I feel like that is so- sometimes that must be the inspiration for wanting to write something like 1984 or or Brazil or just like trying to say like I I know this is bad, so let's you know let's illustrate it by sort of throwing everything into focus and just making it bad so we can examine these parts uh, that exist today yeah. and where they might go if left unchecked. You know, v for so, Vendetta is another example of that, which, which I, I don't... You've never seen, right? I've read the the, the graphic novel or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Um, but yeah, I mentioned Brazil in 1984, Starship Troopers, Robocop, uh, THX 1138, um, uh, District B-13... Uh, mm-hmm. A movie that uh, is very well liked by me, mm-hmm. and that you haven't still haven't seen, right? I've not seen it, no. but yeah, you should see it. Um, also, um, Battle Royale. Have you seen that? No, everyone says I'll enjoy it, and That's, I think I will. It sounds horrendous, but I do want to see it. It's the kind of movie that I was uh, okay. I still haven't seen Kick Ass, okay. right? Because every time someone tells me what it's about, it makes me want to see it less. Hmm. That's how I felt about Battle Royale. Okay, but a friend of my, a friend of our friend of the show Frank uh, Frank feel my wrath McGrath um, was like no you have to watch Battle Royale mm-hmm. it's really good and so he I sat down with him and watched it and I'm so glad I did yeah it's such a great movie but it is I mean it, it's hard to watch uh, for some maybe I'll incorporate it in my movie night and yes yeah. if I'm gonna watch it other people will as well for some if you're like me and you're a little little squeamish I mean it is it is very very gruesome. Very mm-hmm. difficult to watch. Uh, so maybe I should sit down and watch Kick-Ass. Maybe it is actually um, a, a, a very intelligent and uncompromising parable the way that Battle Royale is. I'm leaving <sighs> myself open and open to that. Is that what you're... Okay. But uh, I still can't bring myself to watch it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need uh, Frank Fumirath McGrath to uh, convince me that it's good. <laughs> now, real, Now, real quick, like, you know... I, it, do you think that's like fair to say that to say like well if it's not going to be battle royale what's the point? <laughs> no, I was, clearly that's not fair. To okay, say. All right. I, I'm being a little facetious here. Okay, I couldn't tell how facetious you were being because when it comes to kick ass, you are uh, without nuance. But uh, but I do want to say I mean like when when you and I were when you and I were in film school is the time that these like bootlegs of battle royale were coming over here and mm-hmm. a lot of my friends were seeing it and telling me telling me about it and I just did not want to watch it. At what do you all? say it, about it, me that every time they told me about it, I'm just like, I gotta see this movie. I I don't know. I it, it, it that kind of thing. I mean, maybe I'm square or uh, squeamish, <laughs> but um, it uh, I it really like upset me to think about it. Yeah, and so I didn't end up seeing it until a few years after uh, college when I was living out here, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really glad I did. So yeah, maybe I should watch Kick Ass. Maybe I should learn my lesson from Battle Royale and not dismiss movies that I don't want to see because of my uh, prudishness. Is that what's keeping you from watching Kick-Ass? Prudishness? Or is it just the nerd thing? Like, it's how more, many people... It's more like the... And prudishness is not the right word, but I like violence and children and being cavalier about that oh, yeah. bother, bothers me. Oh, no, absolutely. It's, it's a tough thing for me to get my head around. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about uh, children inflicting horrible violence? Yeah, that's, that, uh, that's on just adults. Ba- on adults. 
Yeah, that's that might okay. be even worse. Oh, uh, hmm, Kick-Ass is not the movie for you. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I think that... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. That's just... Um, I do want to get your... People's souls at stake. Like, those are real human actors. <laughs> those are real children in the movies. Mm-hmm. It's hard, it, it, I can't get past that. Yeah. All right. I feel like there's a topic in this, but we can't get into it now. Okay. Um, yeah, we can't get into much more. I'm about. I'm pretty much done here. Yeah, I feel like I've... Uh, there. I mean... Here, here's the list that I made, just to let everyone know that I didn't completely half-ass this and just came up with, you know, six movies. So here's here's the list. Uh, oh, shoot. And I, I do kind of want to talk about this, because it's a movie that you love, Okay. and I got too late, but there was a development after the movie was made, and that is, Can Mr. Smith Get to Washington Anymore? Yes. Which is a really interesting documentary. I, I watched it on uh, Netflix Watch Instantly. I don't know if it's still available. But I remember that was one of your ten favorite movies of 06. Is that in right? our yeah. fir- Which came out uh, in our Lost episode. Um, oh, right. Yeah. The, our, the first episode we ever tried to do, I, mean, I think we've told this story before, mm-hmm. in March of 07 was our favorite movies of 2006. Yeah. Just because we knew we that was something we could talk about. Right. Um, and so that was just a practice run. Yeah, it's not lost like we lost it. We trashed it because it was yeah, not good. Yeah, it was like, ugh. <laughs> but and it was every bit as long as our top tens <laughs> now. And so just like, yeah, let's kick. Th- let's start with this. Yeah. And I believe at the time we also dropped it because uh, we did not have a name for the show at the time. And, right. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I watched. Uh, Can Mister Smith get to Washington anymore? And it's really interesting. And it's basically just about this guy who. Uh, now you know more. You know a little bit more about. Missouri politics, and I believe it ha- took place in St. Louis. Yeah, and he was... I, just, I can't remember the name of the established family. The Ge- Dick, Dick Gephardt? Is, was he, run- he was running against Dick Gephardt? No, he was running against... Uh, uh, oh. not Was it Carnahan? Oh, yeah. Yes, he was running against... Once, uh, yeah. Against, against one, one of the, the Carnahans, yeah. and that is a very successful uh, political well, family in Missouri. Mel Carnahan was the governor, mm-hmm. and then... Ran for U.S. Senate, died during mm-hmm. in a plane crash during the race. Yeah, um, but still won. Yeah, and his wife Jean Carnahan. Uh, and I think it was his. his I think it was his son who was running for Congress, and this guy, uh, Jeff Smith, which I believe Jefferson Smith is the name of Jimmy Stewart in the original. So that's <laughs> yeah. interesting. But anyway, he. Uh, he is running, and he know, and it's very much a grassroots kind of thing, and the opponent, and it's such a foregone conclusion that the that the Carnahan guy is going to win that everyone just assumes, like, I guess we'll vote for this guy, and it was, and it was in the primary, and so, but you watch it, and like Jeff Smith is just like such a genuine guy, and he's trying so hard, and all that sort of thing, and uh, spoilers, he doesn't make it, but he comes surprisingly close. Um, but at this point, like Carnahan is just such an established name and they have so much money that, you know, that it answers the question, can Mr. Smith get to Washington anymore? And the answer is no. So it's rather cynical. Um, but the epilogue to this whole thing, which is not included in the film, this came from me looking him up after I watched the movie is that, uh, is that he actually did, I think, get, uh, I think he was on like the state senate or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't quite recall, but he he did wind up um, getting elected into some sort of office, only to have it come out that he engaged in illegal 
uh, campaign uh, things during the events of the documentary. And so you're just like, oh, that is so sad. It's a very... And that, and then all of a sudden, just like, oh man, now I'm cynical about everything. Yeah, I'm even cynical about the underdog now. Yeah, but it's a very. So I'm sorry that I spoiled it for you. Although you kind of know it's coming. Um, yeah, you you don't think he's going to win. You you know this is going to be a tragic tale, but uh, but it's still very good, and I I do highly recommend it. But uh, the other movies on my list were uh, All the King's Men, uh, the original uh, right. with um, Broderick Crawford, um, All the President's Men. Uh, Nixon, JFK, Mr. V for Vendetta, uh, Animal Farm, Doctor Strangelove, In the Loop, The Contender, The Bourne Trilogy, Citizen X, Secret Honor, Lawrence of Arabia, The Fog of War, Wag the Dog, Primary Colors, Traffic, A Man for All Seasons, The Quiet American, Charlie Wilson's War, District 9, Men in Black, Munich, Last King of Scotland, uh, The Queen, Good Night and Good Luck, Breach, W, uh, Taking Pillow, 1, 2, 3, uh, Syriana, Enemy of the State, Jaws, Lord of the Flies, Fahrenheit 9-11, and Edi- General Edi Amin Dada. This is fun. Okay, the ones that I didn't get to, I didn't have quite as long a list. Um, I have a big list here, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones I didn't get to, uh, Traffic, which you mentioned just now, Wag the Dog you mentioned just now, Dick. Oh, which I never saw. uh, The Great Dictator, Mm. uh, Primary Colors, um, and Akira. Damn. Great Dictator is a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for anybody who actually heard everything that I just said, um, (laughs) I do recommend all of these movies, but... A lot of them fit into what we've already discussed, so I don't feel really the need to call out any one specifically. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I will apologize uh, that we wound up talking almost exclusively about movies uh, about the American government. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we know. Yeah. All right, so thank you for listening. You can find us at BattleshipPretension.com or in iTunes. You can email us, David at BattleshipPretension.com or Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension or follow Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly television review show, Previously On, at PreviouslyOnShow.com or on iTunes. All right. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> you, you like, I tune out while I'm doing that, yeah. so when I'm done, it takes you by surprise. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> Again, I've said it before. Let's just pre-record it. I get so tired of listening to it. I'm sure the listener does as well. But anyway. Um, I, no, I think they're hanging out every word. They're going to say, how's he, how's he going to hit the inflection on this word this time? <laughs> I like doing it every time. Um, even though your eyes do kind of glaze over when you do it. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, yeah, uh, well, this was fun. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, you changed it up there. I don't like that. <laughs>